Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. The Covenant Podcast exists to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. We're on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. And it's good to be back uh, recording another session. In this conversation, the title of our episode is Come and See, a History of Theology of Mission uh, with just or a history and theology of mission, excuse me, with Justin Shell, and that title of our episode is actually the title of our book that uh, our brother Justin Shell has co-authored. And so we're excited to get to talk with him about this project that he has worked on, this book that has come into print. Uh, so um, excited to talk about this. But brother Justin, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Austin. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Yeah, I really uh, appreciate your willingness to take the time to come and chat uh, with us about your book. And so uh, before we jump into uh, the content of your book, would you just begin our conversation, since you have never been on our show before, uh, by telling our audience a little bit about yourself, uh, how the Lord is using you right now, what your current responsibilities are, uh, whatever you want to tell our audience related to um, how you became a follower of Christ, whatever you want to share with us at this time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I currently, I'm based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, by God's grace, it came to faith through a campus ministry when I was studying undergrad at Central Arkansas. And uh, the Lord used that and that ministry to set me on a path towards full-time ministry myself. I've spent some time in on the mission field in, in Europe and North Africa with my wife, Megan, our two kiddos, Henry and Evie, and um, have, uh, am currently the U.S. director for a ministry called Union, based out of the U.K. Um, Union is led by uh, Dr. Michael Reeves. Folks may know him from his books like Spurgeon on the Christian Life or Rejoice and Tremble or Delighting in the Trinity and others. Um, but Union is a ministry based in the U.K., uh, with four arms to it. There's the School of Theology. We have a, a campus in Wales and about 35 learning communities around the world. I, I also facilitate a learning community for Union in Tulsa, where we have guys studying uh, for the graduate diploma in theology and the masters of theology. Uh, so the, the, the school is one arm, and as folks graduate and they head out into work and into ministry, we want to resource them. So we started Union Publishing, uh, led by Chance Faulkner, and we're, we're just trying to print uh, and, and post resources for the church and for, for the leaders of the church. And so that's our heart with Union Publishing. Some of those going out that we send out, uh, graduates are planting churches or revitalizing churches, and that, that, um, that costs money. And so we started Union Mission to help fund uh, church plants and, and revitalizations. Most of those to this point have been uh, in some of the most gospel needy places in Europe, um, but hoping uh, that spreads around the world. And then uh, Union Research, or or now called the Newton House, is um, is uh, is where we train up theologians, Bible scholars, church historians for the for the church. And and so we have a, a center in Oxford, England, where we we do that. We sometimes say that Union Mission helps plant churches and uh, Newton House helps plant seminaries. So um, that's part of what we're, we're trying to do is figure out where where there's a dearth of of good 
um, hearty, robust theological education and and partner with churches in those places to get it there. So that's a little bit about union. As the U.S. director, my, my job is, in a sense, to connect the, the church in the U.S. with the resources that um, that we have through those four arms and, and bring parts of union to the U.S., bring parts of the U.S. to union. And um, and and throughout it all, hopefully um, strengthening the church, um, equipping her for mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Uh, well, in just a moment, we're going to talk about uh, one of the books that is uh, published by Union. Uh, that's your work. But uh, before we get to that, I'll give you just an opportunity. You mentioned uh, Union Publishing. Are there any titles uh, from Union Publishing that you're personally excited about other than your own book that you want our listeners to know about? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I, um, in one sense, I'm excited about them all. I I do think that um, sometimes uh, we in the reformed world, we, we struggle to connect our theology with, with our lives. And so, um, we may have our, 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 our eyes dotted, our, our T's crossed. Um, but how do, how do I get that from my head to my heart? You might say, how do, how do we become people that love the Lord, not just with our minds, but with our heart, soul, strength? And I think what, what uh, Union Publishing, kind of a, if, if there is, is a niche, if you want to call it that, um, our, our, our sweet spot, that, that's really not the word I want to use, but um, is helping the church um, do that, helping the church l- love and embrace robust theology, but in a way that um, stokes warm piety, that uh, that the whole person uh, adores Christ. And um, so we, we talk about delight in God, grow in Christ, serve the church, bless the world. So that's what we're aiming at with, with all of this, all of the resources. I think Mike Mike's newest book, Mike Reeves, newest book through Union Publishing, Right with God, for instance, is a great little, I don't know, 50 page, probably we would have used to call it a booklet or a uh, a pamphlet, <laughs> maybe, but uh, something you could, you could buy a hundred copies of, give one to everyone in your church, and they would have a robust theology of, of justification and understand and be, hopefully begin to embrace why that makes such a big deal, why we care so much about that doctrine, for instance. So Right With God would be a, a great one for uh, for folks who haven't uh, purchased any books from from uh, from Union Publishing. Um, yeah, that's what I'd say now. Well, great. And thank you for that introduction of yourself and a little bit about what the Lord is using you to do. And uh, let's transition now to the book that you have co-authored. So I just want to begin uh, asking you questions about that by starting off with the question, uh, what inspired you to author this book? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, um, my co-author is Glenn Scrivener, just a wonderful brother there in the UK. And so uh, I hope I do justice to, <laughs> uh, to the, to, to the work that Glenn's done in the book as well. But there were a couple things that come to mind as, as, as we think about why this book uh, and for us. And the, the first part is 
it's hard to find a an introduction to the theology and history of mission that's not a textbook. And so we wanted to write a book that would be accessible to, to almost any Christian to be introduced to um, a, a deep theology. It's not simplistic, but it, it we, we've done our best to make it accessible. And so that's, on the one hand, that's why we, we, we want the whole church to be exposed to um, to God's heart for the nations, to his, his mission in the world. Uh, on the other side, you know, it's called come and see. And I've had a few people say, well, why didn't you call it go and tell? That, that sounds more like mission. And um, and the reason is because we want to put God back at the center of the mission. Um, we don't want as important as the lostness of man is in mission. That can't be the starting point. That can't be what's central to God's mission. Um, as important as understanding culture and language and communicating the gospel in in, in ways that um, uh, that men and women around the world can understand. As important that as that is, culture can't be the starting point for mission because then culture would drive what we think. We wanted to start with God so that we get the mission right, but also we we really believe that um, the reason Christians struggle so much with evangelism and mission is because we don't really know how good God is. And if we could see and could understand how good God is, then we'd want to share him. We'd want to speak his name. We'd want to uh, go to the ends of the earth and and help men and women be brought into God's kingdom, into his family. And so that idea of come and see in a lot of ways is, is drawn from John 1, John 4, where people who spend time with Jesus and start to know him and start to see him as he really is, one of the first things they all do is they go and grab their brother or their friend or they go into their village and say, I met a man, come and see, I met a man who told me everything I've done, the, the Samaritan woman, for instance. Well, come and see, we found the Messiah. Uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, come and see, um, because they've been transformed by spending time with Jesus. And so I think starting with God helps us get the mission right. We want to do that, but also it stirs our hearts to want to be on God's mission and share that mission. So those are the two things that, that, that really drove why this book and, and how it was shaped. Hmm. That's, that's really helpful. Uh, I like what you said. There's, there's a unique uh, play on words here between the difference of uh, go and tell and come and see, and then using scripture to, to uh, give us the, this idea of, putting God first in our uh, theology of mission. So thank you for uh, those comments. And I want to follow up on uh, theology of mission now uh, by asking you if you can just maybe overview what you and your uh, co-author are trying to communicate uh, in your theology of mission section of this book. Yeah. Yeah. And we could, we could spend all day answering that, but um there are there are areas like biblical theology, areas like systematic theology that depending on which which one you're approaching the word with will will help you understand a theology of mission. Um, you know, many in our churches 
still believe that the only thing the Bible might say about missions is, say, the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel. That, that mission is kind of this one-hit wonder at the end of the Gospels. Jesus is ascending to heaven, and you know, and and maybe he yells down, "Oh, I forgot! Go make disciples of all nations." Uh, um, we we know it's more than that, but we may not be able to put our fingers on another verse um, for most Christians, and so. For us, we wanted to do a bit of both. We wanted to look at a couple of maybe systematic theological topics that could help um, small groups in your church, uh, help uh, those who are working with students, for instance, um, grasp God's mission. And we also we wanted to, even though it was, you know, in a lot of ways, 30,000 feet up, we wanted to do a survey of scripture as well. So approach the Bible biblical theologically as well. So, um, you know, the first chapter is, uh, is a doctrine of God it is a short, how the doctrine of God impacts shapes our mission. Um, if you've ever read anything by Mike Reeves or, or heard him speak, one of the, one of the, the theologians and, and conversations he'll often quote, is uh, is Athanasius's response to Arius around um, uh, around where do you start with God? How do you start to understand God? And um, the Arians want to start with creation. And so God is creator. That's the most basic thing we can know about God. And Athanasius answered and said, it's more pious or it's better to actually start with God as father. Um, instead of as creator, because there was an eternity past where God hadn't created anything. Uh, and so at his core, what it, who is God? And so we, we spend a little bit of time uh, introducing people to how the Trinity, how does God in and of himself shape our mission? If, uh, if God is eternally a father loving his son in the fellowship of the spirit, then uh, that should probably tell us a little bit about what he wants in the world, why he would even create uh, humans. Uh, he's not like Allah, the God of Islam, who created humanity for slaves and servants, but this eternal Father, Son, and Spirit has created humanity to come and share, um, to share that fellowship that Father, Son, and Spirit have always had. Um, particularly to experience the son's relationship with the father by the spirit. And so we wanted um, God's eternal purposes to shape how we understand God's um, temporal mission in the world. Uh, and so we, we looked at the doctrine of God. We looked at the the, the glory of God, a couple of really key um key ideas in mission. And then we, we try to walk through uh, from Genesis, Genesis to Revelation and help Christians see, oh, this mission isn't this new idea towards the end of the Old the end of the New Testament. Um, it's actually from the very beginning, God, even when he created humanity, even before the fall, has said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. I want the whole world filled with people who image me, who reflect me. In the world, and so from the very beginning, God had this mission: sons and daughters, uh, vice regents, filling the world uh, with with men and women who are in fellowship with with the Triune God. So, um, 
that's a quick overview. I can I'm happy to dive into different parts of of the of the canon if that'd be helpful or or um, kind of dip in a little lower, but that's kind of the big picture. Yeah, sure. Uh, I wouldn't mind if you want to uh, continue to uh, discuss where where else you uh, talk about this uh, doctrine of mission throughout the Old Covenant in, speci- uh, in particular, because you cover uh, large portions of the Old Testament in this book. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, so I, I mentioned Adam and Eve and the, the global plan of God at creation. Well, as you proceed through the scriptures, you know that humanity turns against God. Um, and so from Genesis 3 on, God's mission has that redemptive element. Uh, and and I, I think I would use the word, I don't know if we use this in the book, but I, I might use the word of the Old Testament as preparatory to God's mission, um, that his mission is one of redemption. He is saving Old Testament saints for sure, uh, but he's doing that. He's going to do that retroactively through through um, through the cross of Christ. And so, what's he doing in the Old Testament? Well, he's he's in Genesis twelve. He's electing a people, and he says to Abram in Genesis twelve one through three, "Leave your country, your people, your father's household. Go to the land I will show you." And and he, and then he proceeds to bless Abraham. Well, Abram still at this point with a, with a name. I'm going to make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I'll, I'll uh, give you offspring. I'll, I'll make a nation out of you. Um, and he finishes this, this um, or actually weaves within this, these blessings twice. He says, and you will be a blessing or the way he says it the second time is, and in you, all peoples will be blessed. And so we see this is following on the heels of, the Tower of Babel, when the, the, the people are dispersed throughout the world, they're scattered, their, their languages are, are confused. Um, and so you have the creation of the nations, and, and then you get chapter, actually just before that, we see the list, the table of the nations. And so what does God do right after he creates all these nations? He picks one of them. That's Genesis 12, right? So this is the election of Israel. This is Father Abraham, this is key. Um, the, the rest of the scriptures are going to talk about um, this this covenant over 400 more times. So we're talking about a, a, one of these key redemptive historical passages, Genesis 12. So as you go, as you proceed through um, through the Old Testament, you see God keeping that promise to Abram. Now, Abraham, that promise of I'm going to bless you and through you, all peoples will be blessed. And what, what we do in the book is we begin to trace how God is blessing Israel and how through that he begins to bring in men and women from the surrounding nations. So there is a not all of missions is postponed, not at all um, that you see Caleb, you see um, uh, Tamar, you see. Uh, Jonah being sent to Nineveh, you see um, Canaanites, Philistines, you see uh, Rahab. They're being brought in as as the, the people of Israel are leaving Egypt. It says that many other peoples went up with them. So the, the nations surrounding Egypt saw Yahweh defeat the gods of Egypt. 
displaying his his supremacy, his sovereignty over over the the polytheistic the 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 really the entire religious establishment of Egypt. You worship the sun god Ra. We're going to darken the the sun. Uh, God's going to darken the sun. You worship the Nile River. I'm going to turn it to blood. Um, and so God does, God shows up and shows off and and there at the end of of that as as the people are coming up the nations who saw all that God did many other people went up with them um and so as you see Israel go into the promised land you see God um blessing them continuing to bless them and doing it in a way that draws men and women from the nations around them uh, maybe we think of uh, uh Naaman uh coming to be healed and and ending up a worshiper of the one true god maybe we think of the the queen of sheba coming to hear to see and hear the wisdom of solomon being drawn um and she finds herself swept into worship of yahweh and so there is um there is a sense in the old testament where um god is is saving some from the nations but we don't see the same thing as we do see in the New Testament, which is the um, where instead of the nation streaming to Jerusalem, to Israel, Jesus says, you go, my people, the church, you're going to all nations. And so there's a bit of a reversal. Um, I don't think it's hard and fast. I think there's still an attraction sense to New Testament mission. Um, not that we are not to Jerusalem, but to the church i think the lord is is still drawing people but i think primarily the at least the the mandate is go and make disciples of all nations um and so there's i i would want to say that in the old testament god is saving the nations he is redeeming some from these peoples around israel Um, but in many ways it is a preparatory thing that god is preparing the world for um, the New Testament will say when the time had fully come or for the latter days, the, the, this period of time where um, all that God has been preparing, all that God's been promising uh, for Israel and through Israel for the nations, it's coming to fulfillment in, in the Christ, in Jesus. So even in the Old Testament, we're going to see places like Isaiah 49, 6, this messianic um, uh, interaction where, uh, in essence, it's the father speaking to the son saying, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant, to bring, to restore the tribes of Israel and bring back the, the, the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. So it's too small just to save Israel. I will also make you light to the nations that my salvation may come to the ends of the earth. So the Messiah that promise of the Savior, um, he's going to instigate, he's going to kick off this to the ends of the earth mission uh, that, that it, 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 it's going on in the Old Testament in different ways, but it's really going to escalate in the coming of the Christ. And so when Jesus shows up, he is the light of the world, and he then commissions the church. And so Paul can quote Isaiah 49, 6, in Acts 13, 47, and say, this is what we've been commanded. We now have, uh, we now carry on in the church as his witnesses. We carry on 
that redemptive mission of the Messiah. He's accomplished the work and we're witnessing to it. So um, that, that's a, a quick flyover, um, maybe a little, little closer to the ground. But um, there are 1600 verses in Scripture where God talks about the nations in a way where it, it, in a positive way, in a these these will belong to me or these will come to me hmm. or 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 commands to proclaim his glory among the nations. So 1600 times you're you're getting that. And so we did our best in about 40, 50 pages <laughs> to to give that story as it unfolds from the Old Testament into the new. Hmm. Amen. Well, what a glorious thing to think about when we meditate upon God and his being and his redemptive purposes and saving people from all tongues and tribes and nations. And uh, you've helped us in this conversation to see how that wasn't something that just began in the new covenant, but God has uh, since the fall and since the promise in Genesis 3.15 been redeeming mm-hmm. a people to himself from various nations. So thank you for uh, leading us through a theology of mission from scripture. But uh, I got it wrong at the beginning of our episode, and I'll say it again. The title of your episode is, or of your book, excuse me, is Come and See a History and Theology of Mission. So you've helped us to work through uh, a theology of mission, and you also cover uh, a history of mission in the book. So can you overview for us uh, this subject? Yeah, yeah, that's, um, again, as an intro to these things, there's so much more that could be said, but we we have two chapters in particular that are focused on the history of mission, even though a few a few chapters following that will spend some time on the history in, in other ways. So there's a chapter where we try to give a, a sort of a 2000 year overview of the history of mission. So um, the book of Acts comes to an end. And then what? How does the gospel from that point begin to spread throughout um, throughout the world, west into the Mediterranean, south down into North Africa, east into um, parts of Central Asia. So how does that how does that big picture of the expansion of the gospel throughout the world take place? And um, there's a, a number of different ways you can do that. But we what we did was kind of zero in on some key figures and key blocks of time. Um, as the gospel is spreading into new regions of the world, um, as well as maybe commenting on some of the challenges that arise at different points to the mission. So as Islam uh, comes to uh, comes to be in uh, the seventh century and begins to expand throughout North Africa, Central Asia, these places that in 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 some ways were Christianized lands, um, that was a, a new challenge to to the mission of the church in that day. And so there's this there's this chapter where we we kind of walk from 33 AD in a sense, or I guess the end of the book of Acts, so um 60-ish um AD till to the present. And then to to zero in a little bit more, we return to the Reformation. We have a chapter on the the missional impact. Uh, I actually can't remember what we 
what we call it. If you've got it there in front of you, that's great. But um, the 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 legacy of of mission from the Reformation. That's right, the mission legacy of the Reformation. And we wanted to do that one because this is our um, our um, tradition that we we look back to the reformers and uh, celebrate what what God did in that moment in time and through that moment even into our day. Um, and to be honest, it's one of it's one of kind of two moments in church history, particularly in mission history. That's often very misunderstood. The other one would be the Crusades. Um, Rodney Stark has written a great book on on the Crusades that corrects a lot of our bad history that we even as Christians believe about the Crusades. But um, the second one, particularly for mission, is the area of the, the time of the Reformation. If you read a lot of mission history books, um, you'll kind of just get this. Um, passing statement that the reformers didn't care about mission. They were just caught up with nitpicking on theology and they didn't care that people were lost and, and uh, separated from God. Um, there's some really bad history being done in these uh, in some of these texts. And I think what it is, is someone started saying it at some point and uh, people just decided to believe it. But we wanted to at least introduce people to some of the the truly missional aspects of of the Reformation, and so uh, we talk about how Reformation theology um, is missional. Uh, if if you think about say just the the five solas, well, if salvation is by faith alone, grace alone, through Christ alone. Well, how how are men and women going to be brought into into the into the kingdom of God? How are they going to be brought into into saving knowledge of God? Well, it's going to be through the proclamation of the gospel. Um, it's going to be not nitpicking about theology. It's going to be highlighting and recovering and proclaiming uh, a true the true gospel. And so that's what the reformers we're doing theologically if uh if god's word alone is our is our ultimate authority then um then whatever other missions we might think of in the world no it's god's word that gives us our mission um and it's to the glory of god when you realize that four billion people on planet earth likely have not heard the gospel once in their language uh two billion people on planet earth have never even heard the name of Jesus, um, and yet we we want to see God's glory fill the earth as the waters cover the sea, and so um, even just the five solas <laughs> um, strengthen our mission. They they don't um, turn people into um, into the frozen chosen. They don't turn people into ivory tower. Um, Theological nitpickers. Actually, the the reformers were all preaching uh, how many times a week, they, and and working to see churches started. And uh, we highlight Calvin's Geneva here of the 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 number of churches being planted in Catholic France uh, against all odds and under cover. Um, this um, we think that 
we often think that it's a 20th century idea that missionaries go and live these covert lives to plant the church, but that's what exactly what um, what Calvin's Geneva was sending folks across the border into France to do, um, and even sending as far off as Brazil from from Switzerland. So um, we we wanted to show that the theology of the Reformation actually propels mission. It doesn't stifle mission. And we wanted to show that if if you think the the reformers weren't missional uh, or they didn't care about missions or they only cared about, you know, getting doctrine correct just for the sake of of their textbooks. Um, you just you've misread. You've misread them. You, you've got the wrong theology, the wrong people. And the wrong, it's just that's just not what history shows us. Um, yeah, so that's, um, those were the two chapters. Um, there's another chapter in there where I talk about the global church a little bit. And we, in another way, we go back and look at the history of the spread of the gospel as it encounters, uh, the nations over history. And, and I think it's a fun, I I talk about an illustration from Andrew Walls there, um, that helps us see how when the gospel has throughout history encountered peoples, uh, different cultures, different languages, different peoples, and how yet the same gospel comes in and transforms uh, transforms them, whether it's first century Jews, uh, fourth century Greeks, eighth uh, century Irish, uh, 20th century um, peoples of Nigeria. It's the same gospel that's come in and transformed uh, transformed these peoples. Now their churches might look a little different because of the, the, the their language, their culture, their their ethnicity, but it's the same gospel and it's the same faith that's held throughout uh, throughout the history of, of the church. So um, that's that's a lot of fun to think about to, to think that it's not just that missionaries scattered around the world and did this work. But the gospel itself came into these peoples and uh, and changed them and transformed them. So uh, that's a little bit of what we what we do in the book in terms of a history of mission. Hmm. Well, thank you, brother, for giving us an overview of your book. This has been a delightful discussion as we've considered the topics uh, contained within the book, uh, particularly a theology of mission and a history of mission. Now that we've given an overview of this project that you and your co-author have worked on, uh, what do you, at least you can speak for yourself and perhaps if you want to, you could speak for your co-author, but what do you hope will be accomplished after someone reads this work? What is the purpose of this book? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned it earlier, but our first hope would be that God's people um, in reading this would would find God more lovely than they currently do. Um, that we, we've tried to write in a way where um, God's heart is clearly on display um, in these chapters, whether it's been the theology section or, or some of the, the later pieces. Um, and I mentioned that because earlier because when we, when we see Jesus clearly, when we, when we know God and delight in God, then we're, we're going to more likely witness to him. We're going to say, hey, come and see. 
come and meet Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Um, I also think that um, it transforms mission from, uh, I think a lot of Christians think of mission or evangelism as this um, multi-level marketing scheme that God has put together where um, <laughs> he saved us and now, uh, and that that was by free grace, he, he saved us, uh, grace alone, through faith alone, but now he's telling us to go and make disciples. And so when um, when Christians start to hear about um, God's invitation to them to share their faith or to uh, engage in mission, there's a sense of dread, a sense of this is, I, I'm sure this is a good thing, but it feels like a burden. And uh, I thought, you know, I thought I was saved by grace, but now I have to do this, this ministry of, of sharing my faith. And um, that's just not the case. <laughs> um, we are not kind of um, the downline from uh, from someone at the top of the pyramid who we're doing all the work so that um, he he can he can get paid. And that's not that's not what's going on here. God is actually um, from the from the very beginning the one who thought up the mission, the one who is who in and of himself by the spirit is on the mission has accomplished the mission. Um, and so, and because we are united to Christ, because we are brought into that fellowship um, with the triune God, then we get to share all that's his. And that includes his mission. That mission now isn't something that this distant um, employer has told me to do. And well, I'm, here I am. I guess I'll do it. I mean, it's a good thing. But instead, it's a I am fellowshipping with the triune God. That's that's my reality. Even now, one day it'll be even better. But even now, I share in all that is Christ's. And so I have the the great privilege of in union with him by the spirit. Um, being a part of his mission in the world to to see more and more and more brothers and sisters come in and share that same union. So it's less this picture of a multi-level marketing scheme and more of a picture of we're in and the Bible talks about it this way as well. We're inviting people to a wedding um, where they're going to feast and be satisfied and be comforted and be helped and find hope. And the shocker of it all is that they're not just attending the banquet. They are in the wedding. Uh, that the, the good master of the banquet is also a groom. And his intention is to marry a people. Uh, and so um, I, I hope this helps people see that the mission is in a marketing program. It's a it's a marriage invitation program. <laughs> it's a um, this is what Jesus is preparing for his people. And so in these last days, um, maybe you think of uh, Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say, come. Uh, God, the spirit and the people of God are inviting people because blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, and so if, if we can start to see God differently, we might start to see his mission differently. And it might become, instead of a burden, 
something that we're actually thrilled to be a part of. So that would be that would be the big thing. Uh, we we do hope uh, eventually to have a follow up volume called Go and Tell. Actually, now that we've come and seen how good God is and how amazing His work of redemption is throughout uh, Scripture and even into history, well, how can the church now? How can we be involved? What what are some practical um, ways that we can be a part of joining God on this mission? So. Um, that's the real heart for this one is that they see God and, and begin to delight in, in him and, and the mission. Brother, this whole conversation has been encouraging, especially the purpose in which you just stated uh, for the book, but uh, I'll give you now the opportunity to uh, have any last words that you want to say. Uh, do you have any final comments or final encouragements related to your book, its subject or anything else that we have discussed in our conversation? Yeah, I think if if I can just pile on <laughs> to what I've been saying, you know, we don't most of the world's religions and, and in the book, we, we don't talk a lot about um, um, man-made religions. We talk a little bit about that, but most of the world's religions, when they look at the purpose of the world, either the world is an accident um, and so some cosmic force exploded, and now we have this physical world, and it's a, it's not a good thing. And so if there are gods, they're, they're kind of against us because we're part of that physical world. Or like Allah that I mentioned earlier, or other ancient Near East religions, why did, why did you create? Well, I mean, Islam literally means submission, and a Muslim is one who submits. And, and so... Most of the world's religions, either we're an accident that they're not happy about and we're trying to navigate the chaos of of that, or we've been created as slaves. We are just build the pyramids. Um, and uh, it, you look, I mean, you could do this with so many, I think all of the world's religions. Contrast that now with the the, the God that we've been talking about and his mission in the world. Not to have slaves, but to have sons. Um, the world's not an accident. He made it on purpose. And he said it was good. And uh, to as many as received him and believed in the name of Jesus, he gives them the right to become children of God. Um, and so, yeah, if I could say this one last thing, even, even one of the... Yeah, in a pluralist society, um, we wonder what sets Christianity apart or how can we help people see um, both Christianity is different and it's not a bigoted thing to say that. Well, the reason is because of our God. Um, because there's, there's just, there's you can't unpack how different Allah's agenda for the world is from Yahweh's, from the from the triune God's agenda for the world. And so I, I think the nature um, of our God is really the the biggest apologetic for Christianity. What other God would you want? Uh, do you really want Buddhism? Because it, it teaches that love is a bad thing. That, that you don't um, it, it teaches that all the all the, the good things we love in the world, even non-believers who say, oh, it's a, you know. Love is good. Well, if you believe that, you need to let God define love 
<laughs> that's for our Western culture, but um, not not all religions think that love is a good thing. And uh, and of course, they they may define it a little bit differently as well. But so I think, um, yeah, press into who God is, into knowing God, delighting in God. And um, and that's really the point. So come and see. Come meet this Jesus. Come spend more time with him. Um, because I think once you do come and see, it'll make you want to go and tell. Thank you, brother, for uh, taking some time today to discuss uh, your book and the important topic of missions. It's been a joy to talk with you. Hey, Austin, it's been great to be here with you guys. Um, yeah, just a, just just happy to be able to to fellowship with you and get to share some of these things. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And uh, to our listeners, we will encourage you to pick up this book. We'll link to it in the show notes and be on the look for their forthcoming volume as our brother uh, slightly alluded to that in our conversation. Uh, Check out this resource on the important subject of missions. And to our listeners, we want to wish you grace and peace.